Welcome to Two Crones and a Microphone. I am Linda. And I am Betty. We are cultural midwives and a force for change using applied practical spirituality. We've been friends and colleagues for over 35 years. We will talk about wisdom practices we use in daily life. This is our eighth podcast, and the topic is angels, spirit guides, and earth-based practices. We will speak about why it is important to each of us, our families and friends, and how to cope and enjoy the holidays. We will share practices and processes you can use in daily life at home, work, and play. Grab a pen and a paper and get ready. Settle into your body, listen, and see what you can use in your daily life. Imagine for just a moment that you're taking time for tea or coffee or another beverage with your best friend. And together, you decide to brainstorm and share thoughts and tips about angels, divas, earth-based practices. Betty and I want to invite you to join us in our conversation. We want first to chat about how we first met angels as children, and then how our awareness changed and grew over time. So, Betty, how did you first meet angels? Well, I'm the proverbial cradle Catholic. (laughs) So from the moment I was born, I was hearing about angels, particularly our guardian angel. Mm. And then I went to Catholic school. Actually, at the age of three, they had a three-year-old kindergarten. Wow. Remember, it was the 50s. It was post-war, but he was having babies. So. Yes, yes. And the, the nuns, who are awesome, I have to say, I didn't have those mean, rotten nuns that sometimes you hear about, mm-hmm. um, taught us about angels and how they were our friends. And we had a special guardian angel that would watch over us from the moment we're born until the time of our death. And then when we died, they were the ones who were going to take us off to heaven Hmm. so that they they stuck with us. I often joke about my guardian angel saying that, you know, with my life the way it's been, my poor angel has gray hair by now, uh, has been on high alert for most of my life mm. and pulling me out of some situations that were unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Mm. So protecting me has mm. been really a full-time job for my poor angel. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, I first met angels through, I grew up in small town, Ohio. We had a Methodist church there. And I first met angels through our Christmas pageants and celebrations. That was the one time that we really did talk about angels. And I was brought up in to stories of um, the angels who sang, who announced the baby's birth, who gathered all the wise men and the shepherds and everyone together. And we had a little bit of a mention, at least in preschool, there about guardian angels too. But I don't think it was quite as um, quite as prevalent as in your tradition. Well, I have to say, I do love the Catholic tradition because particularly as a child, it gave you a certain sense of security. Yeah. 
You know, you had to remember the, the type of world we were growing up, as crazy as it is today, that was the really crazy times when we were waiting for the bomb to come and hit New York, which is where I lived, mm. you know, hiding under the desk. And oh, my oh God. please, don't right. even go there. Duck and cover. I don't yes. think so. We were doing that in Ohio, too, just mm-hmm. to be clear. <laughs> Not that anyone was going to hit Ohio, but that's OK. No, we were like ground zero. And, um, you know, we always had that comfort knowing that your guardian angel was there with you. Mm. There was someone there protecting you. That's lovely. I really had a firm belief in that. The crazy part was, though, um, as I got older, even though I knew my guardian angel was there, I kind of forgot about him. Uh You know, and that happens, right? You get older, you're exposed to all different things. You go to school, you have college. I mean, you just kind of like, he gets put on the back burner. Mine's a he, by the way. Now, Mm -hmm. angels really don't have a gender, but to make it simple for us, the nuns told us that, you know, you could have a a man angel or a girl angel. Um, And they also taught us, where do you get this, Linda? That they had a name. Marvelous. And they taught us that when you go to bed at night, you ask the angel for his or her name and you'll wake up in the morning and you'll have the name. How lovely. How'd that work out? It worked great. (laughs) But I came up with a name that now as a child, okay? Mm. Yeah. My angel's name was Tristan. Now, where the heck did I get that from as a child, right? It wasn't like George or Bob or, you know, (laughs) no, no, Tristan. And it wasn't until, of course, that I got into college and started reading the, um, you know, about Tristan and Isolde. Yes, yes. That I realized it was an old English name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, poor Tristan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I imagine we all have so, some that have their work cut out for them. Mm-hmm. Now, I have several ways I like to call on them, sometimes by invitation, say I invite you to be here, or prayer, mental intention. For me in particular, I really love the kind of vibrational aspect. So singing to me is a way that I can sort of call on an angelic presence or feel like I'm in their presence is a better way to put it. How about you? Um, With me, it's really just a strong connection. All I have to do is is think about him Mm -hmm. and he's there. Mm -hmm. You know, I had mentioned that I had forgotten about him for years, which I really did. Um, And I was at a conference one day and I was doing a meditation and he popped in. He was like, why have you forgotten about me? Now you really need me too. As a little child, it was easy. Now you're really getting yourself into these predicaments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I apologize. (laughs) And I haven't forgotten since then. And this had, I guess I was in my 20s at the time. Oh, that's a great story. But yeah, we all try different things on. We forget things that were important to us as a child. And I was always someone as a child, and I imagine it's true for you too, who really did kind of sense and see so-called imaginary beings. And so for me, it was really easy to relate to the angels. Um, As an adult, I'll share a story because, you know, I imagined them as a child as being very gentle and loving and protective, certainly, but really just easy to be around. When I started working with angelic energies again as an adult, whoa, look out, all bets were off, very fierce, very loving, 
but very fiercely protective. And I mean fierce. So you'll go into a little bit later, the various angels, but Michael with his sword and others. But I had something that happened um, because I was out on the land. I was out on this particular friend's grandmother's land. And, you know, sometimes we'd, we'd sit around a fire and we'd put prayers in the fire and we'd ask for prayers for help for the earth and all beings, for the land, for the animals, all beings on the earth. And there we were just putting our prayers in the fire and suddenly, suddenly in front of us and all of us saw it, but boy, my heart was pounding. There was this giant light filled being that was taller than the trees that was so fierce and, and it was very powerful. And I was basically rendered speechless, which is not easy for me. And so finally, after what I went, okay, please give us guidance. And I asked for that being to help guide us so we could help guard the land, but also that that being could guard the land and all the beings. And, you know, angels look over not just us, right? They look over all beings, the humans and the animals and the insects, the plants, the trees, the rocks, mycelium, you know, mycelium, that's that funny word. It's the fungal network that's integrated in between all the roots. What we see is the fruiting body of the mycelium when mushrooms sprout. But in in certain circles, you know, we've heard about communication between trees. It's the mycelium that sends the messages. And it is known as the, instead of World Wide Web, the Wood Wide Web. Uh, <laughs> well put. <laughs> it's not mine. I'm borrowing it, but I thought it was really funny. That's great. And, and really good. So what did I see? Was it an angel or was it a diva, which is an energetic spirit guardian of the land? It could have been either one. I'm still not sure, but it was absolutely powerful to me and, and everyone gathered. Well, you know, all the major religions, except for Hinduism, hmm. Uh, believe in angels and they say they're angels and angels are viewed differently in the different religions, but they're always that uh, communicate. It's like that as a kid, I always thought about the angels as a layer between me and the divine Mm. who would like the minute I had something going on would like rush up if I was like in trouble and say, you know what, help her out because she needs help right now. Mm. Um, and they're very, very common. Even Muslims believe in them. Mm. You know, it's pretty amazing when you start doing some research. So I believe that there is a being out there. For me, it would be angels. Um, and yes, there are some that are extremely fierce. I mean, think about St. Michael, the archangel. Yeah, exactly. Right? He's a protector of, of firemen. He's the protector of police mm-hmm. um, and many, many, many other um, first responders, uh, soldiers, you know, down in um, mm-hmm. uh, Fort Bragg, where they have the jump school, where the guys yeah. jump out of the airplanes. Yeah. There's a, I was down there once, and there is a huge stained glass window in the chapel there of St. Michael the Archangel, because mm. he's their protector, which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, right? It does. Jumping out of a plane, and there yeah. he is. Yeah. Um, and he, it, you're right. Some of the angels are fierce. He can become very fierce, very protective. 
Um, and he's the one that frequently will be called upon to stand between you and something evil that might be coming at you, whether it's a guy with a knife, which I've had happen to me, mm -hmm. um, or just a feeling that there's an evil out there coming at you. Yeah. If you call upon Michael, he's going to show up. Yeah. He will show up. You know, as a child, we had these uh, prayers that we would say. And it's funny because I told you I'd forgotten about Tristan for so many years, but I always said the prayer at night because it had become my habit from childhood. Mm -hmm. And it's very simple. It's angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here. Ever this day be at my side to light and guide, rule and guard. Amen. And I wouldn't even think about it. I would just repeat it every single night, you know. So even though I may not have thought about Tristan all those years, um, I was still maintaining that connection. Mm. And so when I got into trouble, which was a few times, and I would call <laughs> upon my protection, yeah, he would be right there. So Betty, that's so interesting. Thank you for that prayer. You know, um, one of the things that's very ancient goes back to greenery and at Christmas. And when we were talking earlier, you know, I brought up a really old song and I did a little bit of research on it. And sure enough, it goes back to medieval times. It's called The Holly and the Ivy. And I'm just going to sing the first verse, but it goes like this. The holly and the ivy, when they are both full grown, of all the trees that are in the wood, the holly bears the crown, the rising of the sun, and the running of the deer. The playing of the merry organ, sweet singing in the choir. Now it has several more verses. I'm not going to have, though I won't go into those. But you know, the backstory is really fabulous because the holly and the ivy first appeared in print in 1823 in a book called Ancient Mysteries Described, but its origins are much, much further back. People have been decorating their houses in the holly, in the holidays with holly and ivy since medieval times. It's long been associated with the celebration of the winter solstice as well as Christmas. You know, the longest night, that time when we're all pulled a little more inward and by necessity, we're home in part. Um, the holly and ivy are interesting, you know, because in all the wild wood, they're both still green in the depths of winter. And what does that represent? It represents eternal life and the coming rebirth of spring in the midst of the winter's darkness. So it's, it gives us hope. I think that's the main thing. They're intended to give us hope. Now, there have been stories of babes born in winter's darkness that are older even than the Christian story. They go back thousands of years in the archaeologic record. We won't go into that this time. But the holly and ivy have been linked in various pagan cultures with holly being male and ivy female. And there's a tradition there in which all the evergreens in the house that are decorating during the Yule tide, the winter solstice, Christmas, are then burned ritually outside in a fire pit. 
on about February 2nd. It's a fire festival known as Imbolc, I-M-B-O-L-C. It's Celtic for ewes milk upon first lambing. And there is a certain, she's known as a saint now, but she was a goddess. Bridget is associated with that fire festival. And the greens are burnt as a way to celebrate the coming spring, knowing that those greens have been doing their good work to help protect the household. And in fact, it's believed that holly protects the home from evil spirits. Now, in further on in the song, there are mentions of the thorn of the holly and the red berries and the white flower that is with the um, ivy. In Christian culture, the thorns of the holly represent the thorny crown worn by Jesus, while the red berries symbolize the drops of blood Jesus shed for humanity. The ivy is said to represent the Virgin Mary. So that's a nice little tidbit when we gather our evergreens, that it, it, it really ties us back to our ancestral roots going back at least a thousand years probably further. And if you look at some of the statues of angels mm. that are around Christmas time, many of them have a holly crown. And indeed they do. On them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's so great. It all comes together. It really does. Um, there are many, many ways um, to summon the angels. I actually, I have a holly bush down by my door, the door that's used to go mm. in and out of the house. Mm -hmm. And it's used as a protective device. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that it brings the angels with it, you know, and the, nice. this, these spirits that protect our home. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need. Angels respond to many different things. You know, they will respond to our call. Yeah. Um, they respond to a ringing bell. Why do you think churches have such big bells that they're ringing? Huh. You know, going back and forth, it's to clear the air, but it's also a signal to the angels that something's going on. You know, maybe it's a wedding, uh, it could be a holiday like Christmas, it could be Easter. Um, and this, of course, is in the Christian tradition. Um, the other thing that I have done is uh, very often I'll walk around the property. We have a lot of land up here. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk around with a little bell, just ringing the bell to alert all the different spirits of the land, the angels and the divas, and wake up the little plants, you know, to, yeah. to help protect us and keep us safe. Um, there, there is one story I want to share with you, and it's, it's just lovely. If you have a, uh, one of those little tabby cats, you know, with the, uh, they're usually like brown and black. Uh, this story is that when Mary was giving birth to Jesus, there was a little kitty that comforted her in her labor. Mm. And she was so grateful that she had one of the angels place a mark on the kitty's head. And if you look at these kitties, you're going to see an M for Mary huh. on the head of that particular kitty. Oh, that's a that lovely breed, story. Isn't huh. it? Huh. It is. It just, it's, and every time I look, my sister has one of these cats. And every time I look at him, I think, well, you know, that's, that's the mark. That's the mark of Mary placed there by angels. I love so that. It, it's just, it's just lovely. Angels are used for many different things. You know, mm. they, yeah. they can be used to bless your property mm. at night. You can just go out, face the four directions, you know, 
the east is Raphael, who is the um, angel that we use a lot in nursing because it's the angel of healing. Mm-hmm. Michael is in the south. He is the fierce protector. Right? Yes. Yes. Gabriel in the West. Now he's the one who went to Mary and said, hello. <laughs> he's a, <laughs> surprise. I'm here, you know, but he's a pretty gentle angel and we'd have to be giving mm-hmm. the news that he gave her and the mm-hmm. choices that he gave her. Mm-hmm. Um, Uriel is in the North. He's not as well known as the others uh, in the Catholic tradition, but I believe he's, he's better known in other traditions. Yeah. And those are the the angels that you call upon to just give you a a nice, quiet rest at night, keep you safe, keep your household straight, um, and keep any evil away from you at night while you're sleeping. And I, listen, I have to tell you, this actually works. Um, (laughs) I, I will share with you a story. I was out with Luna one night, my dog, who you all have heard about. Mm. And we were going out and, you know, I had my little flashlight because I watch for the other animals. And when he surprises out there, no skunks. And (laughs) all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we had this huge crack of lightning and thunder, like immediate. It was right over our heads. Yep. My first thought was, oh, my God, we're not dead. (laughs) (laughs) My second thought was, wow, I just finished calling on the angels to protect us. They did their job. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) What a marvelous story. Oh, it was. I'll never forget that. Oh, my heavens. It was just absolutely amazing. Well, I'm glad you're still here. This is all good. Oh, thanks. And, Me and too. <laughs> you know, there, Luna might have had a small part there too. We're going to be doing a separate podcast mm-hmm. on our beloved pets and angelic influences and how they might actually bring through that angelic energy. Was there anything else you wanted Absolutely. to to bring up? Because I have one more thing I want to share. Um, no, I think we're going to be doing a podcast on angels. And I mean, this this topic is so rich. Oh, it's so broad. That we really need to, you know, <gasps> hone in and talk a little bit more about it. And yeah. I think that will make the perfect podcast. I just, just telling people, you know, be prepared because this is a season when the angels are really quite active. We had a teacher, um, Dora Kunz, who's written a book about mm. angels. Yeah. She could see angels, she could feel them. And Dora, believe me, she was a very practical woman. She was not a quiffy, woo-woo type of person. Not at quite, all. Quite the opposite. Completely. Quite the, uh, yes. Oh, so very she, straight spoken. Yes. yes. And if she saw them, they were there. There's no question <laughs> in my mind about that. So, yeah, just keep your eyes and ears open because you're going to be surprised. If you call upon them, they're going to appear, I guarantee I love that. And, you know, based on my experiences, that the angels need us just as much as we need them. Why? Because they need partners to help enact love and peace. We are their hands and hearts here on the earth. And so rather than the energies only coming one way toward us, really, it's a share. It's a partnership because we get to act on behalf of those influences, too. So it's a little bit of a partnership, just like friends helping out each other. 
Well said, well said. And I am sure that you've heard it. I know I've heard it. And I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has had someone say to him, to say to them, yeah. you are my angel. Mm, yeah. So yes. you're absolutely correct, Linda. It is a partnership. Yeah. And, you know, because sometimes I think we think it's only one way. It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. We, get, we get to be that too. Well, you know, we were going to end this part by talking about one of the most magnificent songs about angels. Betty and I completely agree on this. This is my favorite Christmas song of the holiday. And First, I'd like you to just take a moment and imagine in your mind and your heart and your body all the many blessings that you have, that we have here right now, your breath, your life, your focus, your imagination, your friends and family, your home and community, your longings and creative impulses, your faith, your hope. And open your heart to these blessings and any others you may think of. And just, I'm going to only sing the first verse, but angels we have heard on high. I'd like you to imagine as you listen that these words are coming alive and ringing throughout for you and anyone listening. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Gloria. Oh, Linda, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you felt the energy of the angels in that. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody did. It's just a lovely, lovely song. Sure is. Yeah. Betty, why don't you take the wisdom practice this time? Two wise crones say, here is your wisdom practice to put into action. And I think if you just take one of the practices we gave you, it could be the prayer you say at night. It could be trying to find out who your guardian angel actually is. Mm. Um, Mm. It could be relating to the, the earth and the trees out there that will help you connect with the earth spirits that I believe are also connected to the angels. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a we've given you a wealth of information. If you go out at night and you just call on the angels in the different spots they're in, the north, uh, the east, south, west, and north, that would be perfect. Just let us know. And I would really, really love it if you would give us a shout out on our two crones and a microphone page on Facebook or on Instagram and let us know how your practices went. That would be such a great gift for Christmas because you get to share it with everybody. And who knows, you may have come up with something totally different that's absolutely perfect, particularly for this season. I love that. Yeah. I I want to second that. That's just great. We love reading your comments and we love sharing them and talking about them and commenting back. It's such a gift to everyone when we can give back and share that way. Try the wisdom practice. Notice any changes in you. And remember, we're helping you navigate the muddy waters of our time. Our next podcast 
will be on New Year's rituals, how we reset. Until then, be well.